You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network. As we come to you today for a special episode, as Ben, myself, sits down and reviews the latest offering from Chris Lilly, Australian comedian extraordinaire, who, if you're listening to us from outside of Australia, you may or may not be familiar with. But his latest offering is called Lunatics. It dropped on Netflix about seven days ago. And a lot has been said over the last week in regards to this show. And I wasn't planning on doing this episode, but I felt the need to come on here and give a review of it because I think it's warranted that there is this type of review out there compared to some of the ones that have already been out there on the internet. I will start off by saying my name is Ben and dope as fuck which is the only quote, really, that you can probably remember from the show. So if, if you're coming into this and you're, you're listening, you just listen to the Oz Network, thank you. I appreciate you tuning in every single episode, no matter what it is. You probably don't know half the crap we talk about all the time. But Chris Lilly is an Australian comedian who, of course, has, has been around now for, for nearly 20 years, you would almost argue. Uh, I think he sort of first became notable during Hamish and Andy, uh, sort of through uh, stuff, early stuff on the radio, then uh, on a TV show called The Big Bite in the early 2000s on Channel 7, which was sort of a sketch comedy show where some of his earlier characters were, I guess, written. Uh, Mr. G from Summer Heights High was sort of conceived during those days. And through that, he went on to create We Can Be Heroes in 2005, which it's done in mockumentary style. Uh, where basically Chris Lilly will play multiple characters across the course of a series and do it in a completely mockumentary style, which I guess sort of in in the mid-2000s, this was fairly new. I mean, it had obviously been done previously before. I'm not saying he invented it. Obviously, this is Spinal Tap and things like that have been around for a very long time. But, um, you know, kind of this style of comedy, I guess, wasn't as widely known at this point. And We Can Be Heroes, of course, uh, was it was a huge, huge hit in Australia. Basically, he played uh, a variety of individuals. I think there was uh, five, if I'm not mistaken, uh, where they were all up nominated for Australian of the Year. And they all had their little quirks. Uh, my personal favourite, which is uh, still probably my favourite Chris Lilly character across all of his series, he played Phil Olivetti, who was a, a cop who saved someone from a, a jumping castle that blew away into power lines, and he was kind of very you know, self-obsessed with himself, thought he was really good. He played uh, Ricky Wong, a Chinese-Australian uh, who was a, a physics major who wanted to just star in theatre. Uh, there was a, an elderly lady called Pat Mullins who was wanted to roll across the country. Uh, Daniel Sims, who of course went on to being Angry Boys, who was a teenage boy who donates his eardrum to his twin brother. Uh, and then, of course, probably the most famous character of all, uh, Jemaine King, a very arrogant, upper-self teenage girl who attends a private school who then um, got nominated because she essentially uh, helped, I think, donate a lot of money towards uh, charities in Africa. And from there, like, huge success, won many awards. Uh, he won a bunch of Logies, uh, which if you're not familiar with a Logie, it's Australia's version of the Emmy. Uh, he also won the Rose d'Or Award, very prominent award for Best Male Comedy Performances. Was, of course, previously won by things like the Vicar of Dibley and uh, Little Britain. And from there, he just went on from success to success. Summer Heights High, arguably the peak of his career in 2007. He brought back Jamay, introduces to Mr. G, who, of course, we saw in The Big Bite, and uh, Jonah, uh, three characters. Again, he plays them all himself. From there, obviously, Angry Boys in 2012, which by this stage, he had sort of made it in the US. He had been on HBO at this point. 
Um, and, you know, that was sort of varying degrees of success. Uh, also did spin-offs of Jemay and Jonah. And then Lunatics is now his latest offering. Uh, his first Netflix show was announced in uh, March 2018 that he had been signed to Netflix to create this series. And, of course, he really was firmly established on the ABC in Australia for a very long time, had that HBO deal. Uh, so I'm not really sure why he kind of switched over to, to Netflix. I guess that's the way most people are putting shows out now. It kind of creates a bit of uh, freedom when it comes to your content, and we'll talk a little bit about kind of how that's maybe changed some of his comedy. And I'm not sure if there really was a, a little bit of backlash too coming from things like Jonah and Angry Boys because a lot of... I guess Chris Lilly's comedy comes from the fact that he does portray these characters himself and really gets into the character. So if, if you're familiar with obviously like Mike Myers and, you know, Eddie Murphy, uh, you know, people like that who obviously play multiple characters um, and, you know, they do it fairly successfully. And Chris Lilly is one of these. So Chris Lilly, of course, has done everything from playing, you know, a 13-year-old boy to, a you know, a 17-year-old girl to, you know, a, a six-year-old woman and kind of, it does it in that style of comedy where essentially you know it's him. He doesn't really go too far into completely making himself, you know, like a chameleon so he looks completely unrecognisable. You can still tell it's him. But he just, he does it in such an engaging way that you, you feel like each of these characters are their own individual character. You know, hence the success of someone like Jemay and, and you know, even Jonah, I would argue, had his own level of success. And, and the controversy that of course has followed through a lot of some of his stuff um you know obviously during angry boys his character s mouse mouse uh the rapper uh of course he donned blackface for that character jonah as well uh i guess he was more brown face in that one playing you know someone of uh polynesian uh descent tongan descent um so, you know, there, there's obviously been a, a little bit of, of controversy around his portrayal of these characters. But for the most part, he's, you know, achieved wide variety of success across his career. Which brings us in to Lunatics, which, again, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a good five years since we've seen anything from Chris Lilly. And I think the first really important thing is that you know, the landscape of comedy and the landscape of, of society has changed significantly in those five years. We, we know the period of life we live in right now over opinions and, and, you know, what you can and can't say and things like this. And it really makes it very interesting over the reaction to Lunatics because I will start out straight away by saying Lunatics is by far Chris Lilly's tamest offering that he has ever given when it comes to these characters. Uh, I think the, the only thing that isn't tame when it comes to things is, is the language. Uh, you know, Netflix really has opened up a level to Chris Lilly where he can get away with saying a lot more than he could in terms of the, the, the swearing, you know, he's always sworn in his shows always, you know, the F bomb has always been. So, I mean, everything that Jonas basically says is fuck and everything along those lines. But if you, if you're not a fan of the C word, uh, you're not going to like lunatics because there is plenty of usage of C word, which I am not sure if he ever, drop the C-bomb on any of his previous shows. So things like that really opened the door up for him on Netflix. But back to my point about it being the tamest offering he has ever done, by far the tamest offering he's ever done, I think you can kind of tell that he's almost toned back, I guess, the outlandishness of these characters where you would feel, and you go back and watch, you know, particularly Summer Heights High and Angry Boys, where he almost goes out of his way to to cause offence but in that style where he doesn't really care. 
you know, and I think kind of this, there is a level of comedy which people are debating about now more so than ever is that how far is too far. And I think my personal opinion with comedy is that there is no such thing as too far for the most part because everyone's got a sense of humour. One person's sense of humour is going to be different to the others. And, you know, comedy in its purest form and its best form is likely to offend. And I think that it's it's done in a it can be done in a manner where it's not just pure tastelessness for offense it's done in a way that you you're not you're not laughing at a group that they're trying to offend you're just kind of laughing along with the style of comedy and i think that you know that was a lot of what chris lilly relied on particularly through things like angry boy and summer heights high you know you've got to go back to summer heights high and and think about mr g's relationship with uh the students that he had particularly you know he uh he ran sort of classes with with kids with down syndrome and you know for the large portion of that show uh you know very negative towards these students but i i feel it, it's it's done in a way that yeah you're laughing along with what he's doing but I don't think that it's, it's it's on a level where today you would have that and it's just so offensive that you could not show this. So this is where I think that he's really toned down his comedy because I, I struggle to really see out of the six characters that he portrays in this show, you know, who, what level of person is he offending? I think that he's so tame. And if I'm going to have any criticism of Chris Lilly for, for Lunatics, I'm going to start off by saying that I feel he has definitely toned down the comedy. But that's maybe, weirdly, where my criticism is going to stop because every single review, every single media outlet has spent the last seven days absolutely whipping Chris Lilly and just completely knocking down lunatics and making it out like this is the worst thing ever. And I just I just want to read some of the headlines here through these reviews uh, to, to really showcase what I'm trying to point out here. The Sydney Morning Herald, Chris Lilly's latest offering owes nothing to anyone and it shows. iNews, never heard of them, but they're saying, has Chris Lilly's lunatics tarnished his comedy legacy? Uh, the Guardian, lunatics is nasty and grotesque. Chris Lilly's career is shot. Um, Chris Lilly's lunatics spikes knee-jerk reactions that mask... The uh, the cleverness of his later on. That's actually a positive one from the Sydney Morning Herald. And again, this it's interesting to read some of these reviews because you've then got media outlets who are offering alternate reviews in order to, I guess, balance their readership, which speaks more for the landscape we live in now of the media more so than reviewers. Because my key example I wanted to point out here, because I had a bit of a run-in with this reviewer on, on Twitter is the New Zealand-based website Stuff, which is kind of just like a clickbaity, tabloidy style website, similar to news.com.au if you're familiar with that in Australia. So the two headlines that basically contradict each other from... Actually, there's three that contradict each other here in the space of six days. So on the 19th of April, Chris Lilly's new Netflix series Lunatics is funny, mostly, stuff.co.nz. Then on the 25th of April, Chris Lilly's Beautiful Complex Lunatics is a headline, followed by an article on the same day, Chris Lilly's new Netflix show, An Excruciating Exercise. Now, this article itself, I believe, might be the only one in which they've actually watched it themselves, because the other ones, to me, seem like they've just uh, pinched it from other articles to kind of create that clickbaity nature before they end up putting their own up there. So this is written by uh, Steve 
Kilgallon, uh, if I'm saying his name correctly. And uh, he he's the one who's calling this an excruciating exercise to get through. Um, and straight away, of course, he, he opens his review, does Chris... Uh, with the perfect manner in which a reviewer in 2019 will, of course, open up a review by creating controversy to make you remember that the person he is reviewing about is the devil. Starts off by saying before he did blackface and brownface and yellowface. Straight away. Straight away, you're led to remember that Chris Lilly is a devil because he did such terrible things in the past. Uh, leads that up with Chris Lilly, it was funny. I think. At least back in 2005 when Mockumentary was relatively new and Lily was young, he seemed to have a finger on the pulse of Australian society and could translate his observations into something humorous and cutting. But it's a long time and a lot of false starts since Lily's double Logie winning We Could Be Heroes and this is so much high. A long time since Lily seemed to have something to say. Now, I'm going to end it there. I'm not going to read this. I'm not going to give this guy any more air time than he has. I mean, let's be honest, he's not getting any air time. Two listeners to this show are not going to give two shits about this guy. But um, the thing that's actually quite funny is uh i actually tweeted out to steve because the the main gripe i had with this review it's not that he didn't like the show uh i'm I'm here obviously on this uh, episode to try and put some positive spin on lunatics because i feel it's getting unfairly treated in the media uh but again at the end of the day as i said before everyone is subject to their own type of humor. Everyone finds certain things funny that I wouldn't find funny. I find things funny that other people wouldn't find funny. I'm not here to say that he's wrong in not liking this show uh, because, again, everyone has an opinion and doesn't make anyone right or wrong. The problem I have with his review and putting such a clickbait headline on this show and labeling it as a, quote, excruciating exercise is that he all but admits that he only watched one episode on this uh, of the show, and this is a ten-part show, so uh, ten episodes of this show. Again, Netflix, so you can binge watch this all in one go. And to put that into context, he's watched a tenth of the content of this show. And I tweeted out to him to put that into context, saying, "How can you call a show an excruciating exercise when you only watch the first episode? Is this how it works now? Reviewing only a tenth of content. Based on this, I look forward to only reviewing eighteen minutes of Avengers Endgame." Because if you do think about that, I understand that, yes, these people live in a world where they're probably handed 20 different episodes a day, which they've they've got to review, and therefore they, they can't watch everything all at once. Completely understand that. But at the same time, if you want to give a fully balanced viewpoint of a show, you can't base it on one episode. His argument in a reply to me was, and I read this, and I quote, they don't pay me enough to watch the rest of it. Also, don't you think it's incumbent on him to make a show good enough that I want to watch episode two? I'm just a viewer like anyone else. Nobody else is going, I better watch this to the end in case episode 10 isn't shit. Now, obviously the problem lies in there is that he makes a a valid point that yes, you should make an episode good enough that you want to watch the next episode. But at the same time, a Netflix show, which is all created once and dropped off at once is almost like a movie in itself because people for the most part will watch this from start to finish all in one block. Breaking Bad famously has a lot of people who say it starts off slow. You have to stick with it to get into it. If everybody gave up, after one episode of Breaking Bad, it would not have the reputation and the legacy it has to this day. I'm not trying to compare Lunatics to Breaking Bad. I am not. I am simply trying to make a valid point. And I think for for Steve to reply in that manner really questions, to me, his ability as a reviewer. 
Uh, I mean, admittedly, he does work for stuff, so to me, doesn't really make it that hard to be, quote, a reviewer. But uh, he his, his title on his Twitter page is a reluctant late adopter, national correspondent, social issues at stuff and various newspapers. So if he's commenting on social issues and is a national correspondent, I, I, I don't know where that even leads him into reviewing a show like this. I'm not here to shit all over Steve Kilgallon. I'm a, a journalist in the New Zealand media industry too. Obviously, I'm not in a publication that is nowhere near as prominent and in the public eye as stuff is. Uh, however, I just think it is ludicrous that one person can base a review and say such terrible things, like go out of his way to say such uh, to completely ridiculous viewpoints in this um, against one episode, you know, simply, you know, says here, lunatic threads together, this unappealing, unrelated sex set all played by Lily, but fortunately none of them in blackface. Um, there's no plot structure, no thread, no reason to contain them together in the first episode, at least no real direction. Now this is where I, I have to completely disagree and just point out that this is where him reviewing one episode is terrible because, I will admit that the, the the story arc of these characters maybe doesn't hold the emotional weight that several of the other shows have on Chris Lilly's. You know, you've got to think back to Pat Marlins and We Can Be Heroes, how emotional that arc was. Now, if you haven't seen We Can Be Heroes, I'm going to spoil it here for you right now, so please skip ahead slightly, you know, by about 20 seconds. Pat Marlins dies at the very end of that, and it, it comes out of nowhere, and it's sad. I know people who full-on cried throughout that situation and i look into something like uh angry boys with the grand character and kind of her losing you know i think believe she had dementia in that show and kind of having to lose her job and just this is where chris lily i think is a genius with his comedy because 90 percent of his shows are pure out flat out sat- satire of of individuals particularly australian culture and kind of going out of his way to really satire these individuals, but he pulls a curveball at you out of nowhere and really kicks you in the gut with that emotional quality of these characters that although they're complete utter satire and that you think these characters are so outlandish and for the most part, all of his characters are so unlikable, but you can't help but feel for them. And he pulls it out like a, a gut punch, um, you know, with Jonah in Jonah from Tonga, the whole situation about him being so connected to his friends in the, the youth detention that when he's sort of dragged away from it, you know, and, and that was a similar thing in Summer Heights High. You know, he obviously was, you know, a, a troubled boy who really had issues making friends and his only friends really were kind of in the detention group that he was always in. And yet when that was taken away from him, just sort of the emotionalness that came from it, like Chris Lilly is incredible at doing that. And while I will agree, excuse me, that there is definitely not that level of emotionalness that are in his previous series, it still exists in this show because he does play six characters. And I think I'm going to single out uh, two of these characters in particular, three of these characters actually in particular for some sort of real emotional connections there. So uh, Becky is uh, a character who essentially is a very tall girl. She's seven foot three, uh, who alongside her twin sister have moved from Australia to the U.S., to go into college and basically her sister is kind of uh you know very pretty very popular kind of living the whole 
college life, the stereotypical college life of drinking, partying, things like that. Whereas Becky is is very much reserved. You know, she's geeky, she's awkward. And, you know, I've seen a lot of comparisons to Becky to Jamay, and that is just completely false. The only comparison is that she's a teenage girl. I... I personally really connected a lot with the Becky character, not because I'm a seven foot three teenage girl and never have been. Uh, it's, it's just that awkwardness of teenage life and growing up and trying to fit in. And I think kind of that's where that emotional cord really strikes you with Becky because for the most part, all she's doing is trying to fit in. She's just being herself. And in order for her to fit in, she then feels like she has to pretend like she's somebody that she's not. So she goes out of her way to create uh, an online presence sort of through Instagram and, and YouTube. And through this online presence, she kind of, you know, gets a very large following. But then when it comes to the truth of her, I guess, being a, a seven foot three tall girl, she then is shunned from this community for being a liar and basically, you know, people... Uh, going off of her showing her true self. But then there's that balancing sort of act at the end about sort of being who you are and who you want to be and kind of not being ashamed of that. And that's what I think Lunatic sells. I've seen a lot of these reviews, and particularly the one I was just reading there uh, through what Steve Killigan was saying, is that, you know, what does this show uh, trying to do? Like, what's he saying about society? You know, what's the message he's trying to say? And I think this is where people are losing the fact that they're not watching all 10 episodes because the point of lunatics uh, as as it is explained in the synopsis of this show is that the series explores the lives and narrative of six different characters each with their own eccentricities cannot say that word in their lifestyle and behaviors over the course of a month and this is where if you watch it right to the end you have that conclusion with each of these characters who are basically saying like look we're all a bit crazy we've all got those things that i can't say but at the end of the day, we're all just human beings trying to get along with everybody and we're just living life. Yes, Chris Lilly is accentuating these characteristics of these characters by having a character who is overly tall and people are going off about that. You have a character, Keith Dick, the fashion designer, who's in love with a cash register, which of course, for last, straight away. But like, who are we to judge a person on their quirks like that? He's still just trying to get by. You know, the the real estate agent, Quinton Cook, that he plays, you know, this kind of bro dude, 29-year-old kind of, you know, very stereotypical guy going out with the bros, trying to pick up girls while, you know, being a DJ and just, he's, he's an, again, going back to that point where I'm making, unlikable. But the, the quirk is that he's got a very large ass and that kind of is holding him back. So there's a situation there where he tries to get surgery, but like, you know, should he be changing himself to fit in with other people or should he just accept who he is? Um, and, and it kind of leads me to the other ones, kind of the related ones who have a great story arc. So I've mentioned about the Becky one, obviously mainly more so because I guess I said like, I sort of related to that, but mainly based on my teenage years and kind of trying to fit in in school. We've all got, we all feel that way. So I think that that kind of is played very, very well. Um, the, the, the character which kind of created a bit of controversy, the Yana character, who is a South African lesbian pet psychic to the stars, to put that into context. A lot of people thought that, um, that Chris Lilly was putting on blackface again for this, but it's been, it's been completely quashed. Not blackface. Um, and people, I think, just jumped the gun really, really quickly. And I think kind of where this hits head is that Yana, you know, quirky as you can think of. I mean, a South African lesbian pet psychic to the stars. Again, that's in itself quirky. Um, but throughout this, she has an assistant who basically very controlling of very much, you know, doesn't let her assistant do things like get married and hang out and have a life. And it's, it's basically revealed, um, throughout all of this, that she's in love with her assistant 
and all she wants to do is settle down and, you know, basically have a life with her because that's why she's kept her so close. And, you know, there's there's a moment of heartbreak in this episode and it, it really kind of kicks you in the head. If anyone out there, and most people in this world have experienced heartbreak in their life, it's it's a harrowing scene. You kind of, you feel so badly for the Yana character. And this is, again, what Chris Lily does, a gut punch out of nowhere and really, really hits you deep. And there's a similar thing too, uh, perhaps with one of the most quirky characters and one of the most unique characters I feel Chris Lily has ever done, the Joyce Jeffries characters, character, who is a former porn star who has become a hoarder, basically. So her house just filled with collections. And there's, there's a particular sequence where kind of her house is getting repossessed and she's, you know, trying to fight the repossession and she's just a very eccentric character and kind of just this relationship she's got with a friend and then uh, her obviously was a very close with a father who's no longer there and kind of just hangs on to a lot of things. And it's just, it's just the most emotional scene of the entire series is, the, is this scene when she's sort of about to be evicted and she's fighting, she's fighting against this and kind of the, there's this scene with her father playing on the tape and the song that's playing in the background. Like, it hits you deep and... This is where I feel I had to come and do this episode because I think it's incredibly unfair that everybody is reviewing this show based on one or two episodes without seeing the entire context of this show. Um, I am admitting I am a huge Chris Lilly fan, absolutely admitting that. And I will admit that out of all of his shows, this might not be the best show that he's ever done. Is this a bad show, though? No, it is not a bad show. This is a very good show still. It's it's definitely toned down from Chris Lilly's previous works. And I definitely think that you can feel that. And that doesn't necessarily go out on a limb to say that Chris Lilly's losing his comedy touch or some of these other things. Because I think a lot of, too, what I've been reading is that people are saying that, oh, it's the same as what he's always done. Which, that in itself baffles me that people are using that against him. Because everything that Chris Lilly has ever done has followed a very similar formula um, right down to the editing and the music and everything like that. Anybody who's watched every single one of his shows will know that. And it, it seems to me to speak more about this climate that we live in, that people are complaining about that when, you know, when Summer Heights High came out and Angry Boys came out, which again were all but carbon copies of We Can Be Heroes, people applauded it. They're like, great, here he is again. He's bringing these unique characters. And, I think it's just, it baffles me that people can be quick, so quick to jump down his throat about this sort of thing. And this is also the first show that Chris Lee's ever done where he's not brought back a former character, uh, which I think in itself is something that's not really been talked about. And I, I like the fact that Chris Lee will always bring at least one character back. Like obviously some arts high, he brought back Jamae, Angry Boys, he brought back Nathan, um, you know, and Jonah and, and Jamae were obviously solo efforts on previous characters. So this is the very first time that he's never brought back a former character. But it it almost works in itself that it kind of, I appreciate the fact that we've got these six new characters who, again, all have their own unique quirks who kind of you all, you know, get connected to. Uh, you know, I've obviously mentioned, uh, for the most part, all of the only ones I haven't really mentioned uh, is Gavin, who's sort of a 13-year-old kid who essentially um, is going to become a, an earl of a, of a section in the UK, but he's just... He's an obnoxious little, you know, swears a lot, drops a C-bomb, everything, uh, you know, has a social media channel, dope as fuck, is basically he's saying, and kind of, you know, just does completely stupid things that completely contradict with this sort of upper-class English lifestyle. And I think 
you know, my biggest concern when I saw the trailer for this, well, this is just going to be Nathan and Daniel. You know, it's going to be the same, similar to what people are saying that Becky's just Jemay. And you get two episodes in and you, they're completely different characters. So, you know, I applaud him for that. Um, yeah, it's just, I, 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 I just really felt the urge to come on and do this because it's just crazy to see the negativity that he's getting over this. And one thing, though, that I, I really actually applaud Chris Lilly for is... Um, He's a very, uh, I guess, shy individual in that he doesn't really, uh, he doesn't come out in the media a lot. He doesn't do interviews. He's not sort of out there promoting this show. He kind of, he just does his work and then that's it. He just, he just moves on with his life. And in this day and age where, you know, we expect everybody out there to, to go out and, and, and talk every five seconds about what they're doing and kind of, you know, explain everything. And then all of a sudden people are complaining about, so they come and defend themselves. I find it very, you know, comforting to see that Chris Lilly actually just, he's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm just moving on with his life. And he's done one interview that I have seen since Lunatics has come out where somebody asked him the question, like, what do you think about these uh, reviews and the, the negativity? And he basically said, like, I haven't seen any of it. He said, I, I don't I don't read it. I'm not on social media. I don't see it. Um, I just move on. He's like, if, if I wanted to, you know, look at it, I would. But he's like, it's that easy. And I, I respect the guy for that. Um, he, I mean, he does, he's on social media. He just doesn't really use it. Um, he, he got in trouble, I think a few years ago, uh, when I say in trouble, there was controversy as there usually is in regards to sort of his timing of a tweet. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really, you know, I respect him that he comes doing that. Um, but I, I, situations like this, I find it, it very interesting to kind of more so read the the social media comments more so than the reviews. Because I think Colin and I have talked a lot about this before in regards to reviews that it's, it's hard to take, I guess, weight on reviews now because, you know, the, the way the media landscape works now is that reviews need to come out straight away. And they've all, all these websites and, and news services are battling out to kind of get that clickbait. So they all go out and the, the outlandish headlines to kind of draw people in. And, it's all very same, same because each of these reviewers is trying to make a name for themselves. So they're trying to, you know, go out there and basically have the most outlandish thing and cause controversy with it. And I think kind of it's, it's just, it's incredible that it even shows that the same news services are putting out three different articles on it to then counterbalance one view with another view to try and attract the haters and the lovers of the show. And classic example here, as I just said, that stuff has got three articles about the show, each with contradicting views. So um, it's completely crazy. But just as I said, the social media reviews coming through here. And again, it's I'm not coming out here saying that this is a show that's been loved by everyone because even the social media comments, a lot of them have been negative, but I think there's a lot more positive that is coming from there. Um, so, you know, we've got one here, a, a tweet from uh, Georgie. Okay, I'm officially obsessed with lunatics. Chris Lilly is a genius fight me um uh a twitter user here called k the tragedy in lunatics is a fucking hilarious aussie jokes that are too good to be lost on the rest of the world julian woods says the new sites that are writing about chris lee's new show being boring and not that funny are the same sites that would be attacking him if he did the same stuff as his old work which they kind of are and in capitals his new work is fucking his new show sorry is fucking hilarious uh sophie cartman the po- the people who don't get lunatics it's not for you it's for people who appreciate good writing and characters with authenticity and heart it's funny but also great great drama chris lily 
is a legend. Um, I mean, I, I think that sums it up perfectly. Uh, and then we've got someone here, Georgia, watching Chris Lilly's new series, Lunatics, and it's scary how much I can relate to something Joyce says. Um, but then on the flip side, uh, of course, there are definitely some negative things. And again, just kind of counterbalance there that, you know, not, not everyone has to like something. And I think kind of... You know, while I'm out here trying to defend the show and saying all this sort of stuff, it's, it's it all borders down to my opinion. And at the end of the day, it's not going to count for jack squat. You're going to like it or you're not going to like it, and that's that's your prerogative. You can. I'm just simply pointing it out there that I think the show is being treated a little bit unfairly. Some of the negative comments here are Kelly Whiteaway. Watched the first episode of Chris Lilly's Lunatics. Didn't laugh once. That's a shame since I loved everything else he's done. Sam Murphy, another unbearable TV show from Chris Lilly, peppered with casual racism, blatant sexism, and homophobia. Now, I will just comment on that, that, Going back to my point, saying that he has toned this down a lot, like just just ridiculous to to even point that out. Um, that that is completely untrue. Um, let's see here. Um, there was another negative one here that I did just see a second ago as well. Lunatics is so bad. This one, Swizzly Swizzly May. Lunatics is so bad. I'm so upset. Didn't even get one laugh out. All we wanted was a Mr. G series. This is utter trash. Um. There you go. Um, so, yeah. Um, I mean, he's, he's one his person uh, addicted to it after one episode. One episode in, I'm already invested in these characters. Becky's my new favorite. At Chris Lee, you are a national treasure. Um, yeah. So, there you go. I, I At the end of the day, as I just said, you will watch this probably because Chris Lee is generally considered to be funny. And he has a very large fan base. So... I think a lot of people are still going to watch this and Chris Lee is going to achieve what he is setting out to achieve. He's created conversation. He's, he's got people watching his show and going back to my point when I said that like the times we live in is maybe affecting this. I still stand by that point. Also times change anyway. You know, people are going to be loving something one minute and then in five years time they're over it. You know, there's, there's plenty of things in history that are popular one minute and not the next. And that just comes down to people's taste changing, the landscape changes. And, you know, some it's rare for something to remain popular and in the limelight that long based on how it is and keep going that way. The, I'm rambling on here. This is why we need co-hosts on this show, folks. But <laughs> I think my overall point is here, uh, if you watch all 10 episodes, if you listen to all 10 hours of Ben rambling on, don't give up on this after one episode. I think you need to watch this in its entirety. And at the end of the 10 episodes, if you don't like it, you don't like it. If I'm reading these reviews and a person is giving a bad review of this show, but they've watched all 10 episodes of it, that's fine. I, I That's completely valid. They're allowed to. And there are definitely uh, news services out there, publications where reviewers, I respect their opinions. I think they're very, uh, very good reviewers. And I think that they give very valid points. Um, but it's just, it comes down to the clickbait nature of the world we live in is that people watch one episode, make assumptions on the whole thing, and then try to sell that on other people. So, uh, I, do, I, and I do want to open this one up here, this Sydney Morning Herald article where, as I read before, Chris Lee's lunatic spikes knee-jerk reactions that mask the cleverness of his latest, uh, latest offering. Um, and kind of, you know, goes into the, the review and, uh, you know, mentions some of the characters work better than others, uh, which kind of obviously is just generally how it works. 
Um, and I'll just read some of this here. Uh, Lily divides viewers and has attracted criticism, particularly in response to S.Mouse, the self-aggrounding, talent-free black rapper and angry boys. There were protests about a white performer lampooning a black musician, which some viewed as unacceptable cultural appropriation. The hostility remained so intense that when Netflix released a trailer for Lunatics, House of Protests erupted with accusations that Lily was once again being insensitive. That knee-jerk reaction was a result of a mistaken belief that he was playing Yana Melhupenyonks, a South African pet psychic in blackface um the outcry could be seen as a coup for netflix which instantly achieved the kind of buzz it was seeking certainly there was a rapid awareness of the new comedy even though the critics poised to pounce on the basis of an ad and i i think kind of that's where a lot of people are still doing this is that they see the trailer automatically create negative reactions see the backlash they see and, and when i say see the backlash a lot of this comes down to the fact that they see 10 comments or tweets inciting controversy which they then use in their article and ignore the other like it's, they do exactly what they do with the reviewing they see a small portion of it and ignore the rest of it um and i think this is kind of a, a good summary here part of lily's unique talent is that he goes his own way and filters his vision of the world through his characters they yearn for fame and fortune or at least acceptance and a little respect they can be arrogant obnoxious needy and fragile in lesser hands it could be a gallery of grotesque but in lunatics as he has done before Lily stealthily guides us to recognize their humanity, to see their flaws, and to see their fertility. Uh, Lily has never made laugh-out-loud gag and punchline comedy. His edgy productions have always been more about can you believe they just said that variety. They're audacious, they push boundaries, they inspire incredulity. I can't say that word. Uh, They can be excruciating to watch, which is part of their brilliance. I think that is a great summary here. This is a a review written by Debbie Enker, uh, the Sydney Morning Herald. And look... I couldn't have said it better myself. I've spent the last, uh, you know, half an hour trying to say it better than that. And she summed it up in a couple of uh, sentences. Going back to my point, there's just some reviewers who can just say it well. Um, I'm going to just stop talking. I think that summed it up well. I'm going to say right now that I'm going to buy Lunatics. I think it, uh, in my review, if you're wondering why I'm doing that, I'm not just saying I'm going to buy it. Uh, If you've never listened to the show before, I should say. I I am buying this show. I think it is, if you're a Chris Lilly fan... For the most part, you will appreciate this show. If you're not a Chris Lee fan and have never seen any of his work, would I recommend you watch this? Uh, I would recommend you go back and watch some of his older stuff before you watch this. I think that it warrants um, seeing some of his older stuff because, again, it's not his best work, but it is still good. Um, And if perhaps you're just indifferent and you're on the fence, just give it a crack. You know, don't give up after one episode. That's all I can say to you right now. You know, if if after like five episodes you're not feeling it, fine. You know, you've given it 50% of a crack. That's understandable. I have given up on things after 50% because I I can't. I I generally will stick with things. But I have admitted on this show before that I've given up after things after a while. So, um, you know, it happens. But I just think it's it's important to give things a bit more of a chance in one episode and then base uh, an argument of a show being bad on one episode and then preaching that you don't get paid enough to watch more and you're only doing it because of that reason. And then obviously making outlandish claims that other people aren't screaming out that they've got to watch the rest of it. So anyway, that is Lunatics. Uh, it's on Netflix now. Uh, so check it out if you are a Netflix user. And let us know what you think about it. Uh, you can you can tweet us. You can uh, comment on our Facebook post. Send us an email. Let us know what you think of Lunatics. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, did you love it? Did you hate it? Uh, or you're in the middle? 
wherever you were. I would like to hear what you're thinking about that sort of stuff. Uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe relevant channels. Again, please, uh, if you're subscribing on channels, leave us some feedback, let us know what you think of the show, get some comments out there. The more of those you post, the more we get out there, the more great content we can put out for you. And we've got some great content coming your way. We, we, we do have episodes nearly every day of the week, which obviously is a bit of a stretch for some. Some people can't listen to multiple podcasts in a week, but we also are trying to serve it. So different fans are going to listen on different days. Third Watch fans are generally going to listen on a Wednesday. Lost fans on a Monday. Our random rewatches are on a Tuesday. Our movie recaps fall on a Thursday generally. Uh, obviously at the moment, we're kind of taking a bit of a break from those before we get to our Disney live action Month. And we've got reviews out there, though, too, of course, coming. Uh, our Avengers Endgame uh, spoiler-free review is out right now, and we will be doing a spoiler review coming up, too. So plenty of content to keep you entertained. To those who do listen to these episodes, thank you very much. It really does mean the world to us, and we hope that you keep coming back for more because there's going to be more. There's going to be plenty, plenty more. Uh, but this has been a review of Lunatics. Thank you for tuning in. Go and watch it on Netflix now, as I said. My name is Ben, and those bloody birds have been listening to me again. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.